Welcome to the Semicolon Club podcast. Funny name, serious podcast. In each episode, we focus on topics relevant to those living with colon cancer. It is our goal to inspire and encourage you during your fight and to provide hope throughout your journey. The show is not just for patients, but for survivors, caregivers, family, and friends as you navigate this journey together. Stay tuned. Today, we would like to welcome the Culver House family to the podcast. Meryl and Meryl Ann, welcome. Hi. Good morning. So good to have y'all with us today. Thanks so much. Thank you for inviting us. So let's start with Meryl. Can you share with our audience your story of young colon cancer diagnosis? Um, yeah, my story is um, probably a little different than a lot of people's. Um, my symptoms just really came out of the blue. Um, I was woken up in the middle of the night with just some intense abdominal cramps. And after three or four hours of tolerating those my wife uh, forced me to go to the emergency room and uh, in small rural Alabama sometimes you you're limited on medical uh, expertise so to speak I'm not going to criticize anyone but the physician there that night really didn't know what was going on with me Um, he told me because he was an 80 year old gynecologist (laughs) (laughs) and I convinced him that it was diverticulitis because I had had some popcorn the night before and convinced him to give me some antibiotics and something for abdominal cramps. And he agreed to do that um, with the understanding that I need to make an appointment with a specialist. So after coming home that morning, my wife called one of her good friends who is a nurse practitioner at Digestive Health in Dothan. And they had a cancellation for the very next day. So um, we made that appointment. And by that time, I felt completely fine. Um, the little episode had passed and I, I was feeling back to myself. I told her I was going to cancel the appointment. And she told me, no, you're not either. Um, you're going to you're going to go. So I followed through with the appointment. I, I met with Dr. Travis Rutland, um, explained what had happened, and tried to convince him that it was diverticulitis. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, that may well be. It could be irritable bowel. It could be diverticulitis. But he said, I'd like to do some uh, blood work and an ultrasound. And they, they house everything uh, inside the facility. So they, they have CT, lab, ultrasound. So it was very convenient. So they drew the blood work and we waited for it. And it was completely normal, except for just a little bit of an elevated white count, which he said was normal with what I had described. Um, CEA was undetectable, uh, no anemia, uh, all the all the markers were normal. So then I had a um, ultrasound and the, the ultrasound tech was really just... Um, concentrating in one spot and I asked her I said have you found something and she said yeah she said you've got a lump on your kidney but don't let them know I told you that you're gonna have to have a CT scan but let them call you and tell you about it so that was a Wednesday and on uh, Friday I had the CT scan and it showed a wisping in my colon which the 
the CT tech, you know, you want to make friends with all these people. They'll give you, <laughs> right. they'll, they'll give you a little more information. Uh, he said yes. you have wisping on your, uh, in your colon, he said, which looks like diphtecolitis. But he said you do have a, a mass on your kidney. So my, that next Monday, Dr. Rutland called me. And he said, look, he said, I know we want to do a colonoscopy like in May, late May. And this was, uh, this was March, early March. Okay. And he said, no, I'm sorry. This was late March, 1st of April. And he said, um, you know, your CT scan showed a tumor on your kidney, um, inflamed colon, enlarged prostate, enlarged spleen, and lesions on your liver. And I said, oh, my gosh. I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm, I meet up. So um, went to urology on Wednesday in Birmingham, in Alabaster, and saw a physician there. And he said, you know, I don't, I'm not concerned about anything, but get your colon checked. He said, if it's okay, we'll take your kidney out the next week. He, he didn't think it was malignant. Um, he thought it was a oncocytoma i said well i'm having a colonoscopy thursday and we'll find out so had the colonoscopy woke up they're drawing blood my wife's crying i'm like what in the world's going on something's not right and she said after they say stage three or four i just kind of don't know what he said after that mm-hmm. so the next week uh was full of Doctor's appointments. Uh, first on Monday was a um, surgical consult uh, for the colon. And he was like, you know, we can do this in a month if you want to. If your daughter's having dance recital or whatever, this is no big rush. And I'm like, <laughs> I would really like this out like tomorrow because right. the tumor is so large that it's um, obstruct, almost obstructing my colon. Oh, wow. And... He said, well, let me get with, well, let me get with urology and see what we can work out. So they, they made the decision the next Tuesday. So the next okay. day I went to urology and he said, I'm not sure why they told you in, Burton, in Alabaster that this wasn't malignant. This kidney is as malignant as it can be, but it doesn't change anything I'll do. So then Thursday I met with oncology and just to, you know, establish a relationship there and he really didn't know what to do yet till they did the surgery and, and then he could plan out, um, a care plan. Um, so the next week I had the surgery and, um, they removed 15 inches of colon, 30% of my right kidney and 24 lymph nodes, which he said was usually, was, they usually do 12, but he said, I want to make sure I've got a good sampling. And then the next Friday, of that week uh, pathology came back and actually everything was stage one and and 24 negative lymph nodes so um you know i went from one end of the spectrum to the other and you know there's there's really no explanation for that except um like i told dr whitehurst i said uh god is still in the miracle business yes yes well, that's kind of my, like I said, my story is a lot different. Yeah, Just in a lot of ways. Sudden onset, rapid surgery, um, the best outcome I could probably have a, had hoped for. 
surveillance for treatment. Um, we had an yes. option of doing mop-up chemo, and it was my call on whether to do that or not. And, and Dr. Mayer was happy I chose surveillance because he said, you know, the chemo would have um, dealt you a lifelong battle with neuropathy and things like yeah. that. So. Uh, we went with surveillance, and so far I am uh, almost—I'm seven and a half years out. Wow, that's wonderful! And haven't had any anything else crop up. Um, I know you've done the colonoscopies on the regular basis, and everything uh, since then has been has been good, right? Right. I think I'm on. Um, I think this will be either nine or ten colonoscopies this year. Um, the first colonoscopy after surgery. I did have a polyp that formed at the anastomosis where they put the small intestine and large intestine back together. I had a polyp there. That's the only little hiccup um, in the plumbing that I've had so far. Wonderful. That is, that is just a, that, that's a, that's a, a great testimony and a great story. And it's also, um, you know, what that goes back to is, your wife saying you're not going to cancel because you, you felt, you felt fine. Oh, yeah. And you, I, most people would have canceled um, that appointment and who knows how much longer it would have been before something cropped up. And, and it certainly wouldn't have been stage one at that point. So that just, that really speaks to the, um, you know, the need for listening, uh, listening to your own body, listening to those around you who, um, you know, maybe just, are, are perceptive that, hey, let's just go and get that check. It's always better to be safe than sorry. Oh, so. And they dated my tumors, and they said those tumors were two and a half to three years old. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That a tumor grows an average of a centimeter a year. Okay. And the kidney was two and a half centimeters. And okay. the colon had grown, instead of through the colon wall, it had grown into the lumen of the colon. So it was, oh, okay. was kind of like, um, it was kind of like build up in your pipes, in your gotcha. plumbing pipes, you know, it just kind of grown sure. in, into instead of eating through. So right. you know, that was an advantage. And, and we had genetic studies done at UAB uh, mm -hmm. because of Maryland. Um, and I was genetically fine. There was no Lynch syndrome involved, which oh, good. it was two, it, there were two separate cancers. Um, but it was just what they call wild sporadic. Wow. Interesting. So those two, so the kidney and the colon had nothing to do with one another. They were both independent, right. independent cancers. Okay. Wow. Y yeah. Your, your story really is, um, it's, it's unique in a lot of ways, Meryl. So thank you. Thank you for sharing, um, sharing that with our listeners today. Um, Marilyn, yes, what I'd like to hear from you is how your dad's diagnosis affected you and um, how that got both of you guys involved in raising awareness about colon cancer. Well, whenever he was diagnosed, I was in middle school and I was really scared, but I realized I could, you know, research and learn more about it and see what he was going through or just be scared. And so I started researching about it. And while I was researching, I found places to get plugged in and involved. And so that led to me, you know, spreading awareness through trucker trunk or treating events and then um, getting plugged in through um, colon cancer awareness, uh, kind of lobbying on Capitol Hill for three years. Um, so 
that led me to do that and just kind of opened up opportunities and then to meet y'all and then create a car tag too. Um, at Fight CRC, a guy from Mississippi, Dr. Royd Hugh, he was the first to create a colon cancer car tag. And I became um, really involved with him, just Facebook messaging him all the time, asking the process. And then friends from Georgia wanted to get involved as well. Um, so it's just created a little family. And that's what has been so great about this as well, because at first, you know, a scared middle schooler now actually has made an impact and I never thought it'd become like this. So, Yes, that is, that's wonderful. And, and for those of you who um, maybe don't know the backstory in the state of Alabama, um, and I know we have listeners, you know, outside the state as well, but in Alabama, we did not have a colon cancer car tag at all. You know, it's like breast cancer. There may be two or three um, different car tags to choose from. And um, for those of you who don't know, when you have a car tag approved, most of the funding from that extra purchase. So you pay an extra $50 a year. And this is just like your, your college. You know, if you have a university of Alabama or an Auburn university license plate, you pay an extra $50 every year for your renewable tag. And $41.25 of that goes to um, your university. Well, in this case, with the cancer tags and, and other uh, causes, that $41.25 goes back to those organizations um, that are presenting the tag. And so in the state of Alabama, there was not a colon cancer tag. Um, so Marilyn, in Maryland, you were a junior in high school at the time is that right yes 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 and then a senior whenever everything got approved and so it was a really long process but (laughs) yes it was it was so so the culver houses um reached out to us in Marilyn's junior year and you know presented this idea that that she had and, and really wanted to uh work on and so we actually got hooked up with them at that time and, um, you know, started working, working on this car tag venture. And, and like Marilyn said, it did take, oh, goodness, about, I guess, a year and a half before we actually were able to see it into production. And I mean, it was close to two years, mm-hmm. I think, from the time we first talked until we, we saw that first license plate. Is that, is that, I, is that about right? Exactly, about right. exactly two years. I think I was sitting in an AP chemistry class whenever I got a text saying that it was approved. And that was at the end of the year yeah. of my senior year. So okay, close to two years. Yes, yes. It was a long time coming. And yeah, to think about to a middle school girl who really started down this, you know, that that's what led you down that road um, to get to that point and, um, you know, for our state to, to be able to have, have that colon cancer tag. Meryl, what does it mean to you each time you're, you know, if you're driving down the road and you see that colon cancer tag, what, what does that mean to you? Well, first, I'm, I'm proud that she took the challenge to get approved. Um, you know, we'd looked at it a year or two before that, and it just seemed like an undaunting task of getting one approved with everything had to all the hoops you had to jump through and the pre-approvals and, or the pre-sales. Um, uh, it just seemed like a lot, but after we spoke with, uh, Dr. Duhay and actually a, another uh, physician was a, his partner, Dr. Um, Pace, Sam Pace. He was a, a GI doctor in, in 
Tupelo, Mississippi also. And, you know, they kind of, they kind of got us sparked off again saying how, you know, it, it is tough, but it could be done. Um, yeah. And then of course, partnering with y'all, um, you know, like I say, it takes a village. <laughs> and, yes, it does. And yes. I know y'all put in a lot of work. We put in a lot, there's a lot of legwork involved. Um, getting yes. it done. So it's, yes. it's not for the faint of heart. Um, no. but it, it just makes me proud to see it on the back of a tag and knowing that, the money that's raised, um, which I was surprised the state actually gives the majority of the money back. Um, yes. which I was really shocked. I figured they'd throw us, you know, a dollar or two out of every tag. But you know, knowing that that money is is not going to some big corporation that has a lot of administrative fees, that that money actually is where it needs to go to to help to help pay right. and to and to, and for support for their family. That you know, like with with this money, hopefully we expand the support groups and I know we're planning on doing one in South Alabama uh, for pa- for patients yes. and, and caregivers. Um, and, yeah. uh, and then the money that's going to help with uh, y'all's food bank and uh, just the supportive services. Uh, yeah, that, that makes you, yes. that makes you a good, it makes you feel good knowing that money's going to where it should be going. Those of you who maybe, who maybe aren't here in Alabama and don't know, um, you know, don't know a lot about Rump Shaker and what our organization does. Uh, we are really a, a grassroots uh, type of organization. And uh, we have been, we've been here since 2009. Um, and we have, of course, our race every year, uh, 5K in the spring, that is our, our main fundraiser for the organization. Um, we have a golf tournament in the fall that raises money specifically for scholarships, which we're going to talk about in a minute. And then this car tag is really, you know, these are really our only three fundraisers um, that we do. So the car tag has really been a great complement um, to bring in, you know, some monthly revenue. And currently that is going uh, into our patient assistance, patient uh, navigation fund. And as Meryl said, that um, supports our, we have a Birmingham-based support group that meets once a month. That's for patients and caregivers. And um, as Meryl said, you know, we're working on, um, actually, we're just about to launch the South Alabama support group when COVID hit us back in the spring. So um, so that is really on ready. We're just waiting on uh, COVID to get out yes, of the way, ma'am. right? So, um, and hopefully, you know, be able to to potentially launch launch some other support groups around other areas of the state as as we move forward, um, Meryl Ann, I would like um, as we sort of round up finish up today, um, you have been a Lisa Marts Hope Scholarship recipient for the last two years, and I'd love for you to share with our audience how receiving that scholarship, you know, what that's meant to you as you are attending Auburn oh, University. Yes, ma'am. So. Actually, I just registered as a junior in the spring, so that's really scary. Um, Blessed because I am a human development and family studies major, and I've decided that I want to go to law school after I graduate. Um, But it's basically provided me the opportunity to go to college and almost be debt-free. So I've been able to 
get involved at Auburn in multiple organizations. I'm part of a professional um, program with my major where I'm the historian and that actually started up this past year. Um, and I actually am doing research in the spring where I get to go into um, high schools and teach the importance of healthy relationships. Uh, I'm on Dance yeah. Marathon uh, where I serve as the assistant director of public relations. Uh, I'm in a sorority. Uh, I serve on the uh, junior exec committee for public relations as well. And eventually I am going to study abroad whenever COVID uh, clears away and do the Joseph S. Bruno international minor and get a um, international minor in uh, human development and family study. So basically this scholarship has allowed me to branch out and learn more about myself and my major and be thankful for um, that we're about with. So thank y'all so much. <laughs> I mean, I love to, I love to hear, um, you know, what, 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 what it's, what it allows folks to do. I know in some cases, you know, a lot of, a lot of times you're in a position where you have to work while you're in college and you're not able to really take in the full, um, you know, the full experience and, and in that experience, you know, we're not talking about being able to, to go out and just have fun and party. We're, ta we're talking about being able to have those opportunities to serve in the student organizations and, um, and really get involved in, in those things that will enrich, it enriches your college experience and it provides you pathways as you graduate and to do some of these other studies. Exactly. So, you know, I think sometimes we don't, we don't know, realize how important that is and if you're you're registered as a junior in the spring that's just i know wow that, that the, the doesn't seem right so the, but um the different classes and options you have in high school really help out yes i have a major in human development and family studies with a concentration in family life education but then i'll have more of a focus in uh political science so it's a mouthful when I when I graduate, but yes. I'll take more of those electives. <laughs> and then whenever I get to study abroad, I'll have a minor in international family studies and human development and family studies. So mm -hmm. it'll it's a lot. I'm so excited for you and um, you know, we're just we're we're proud to to see everything that you have continued to accomplish. Now we knew when we met you in high school that you were you were a bright, special young lady, but I, it's lovely to be able to, to follow your journey and just see see where you're going. And I can't wait to see, you know, just see Thank where God you. takes you in I life. It's going to be that. wonderful. I appreciate y'all. It's been so fun working with y'all and continuing to keep up with y'all and well, I just want to thank you both um, so much for sharing your your stories with us today. Um, is there anything before before we let you go today? Anything else you'd like to add? You know, uh, Meryl, any any last words of wisdom there to to families who may be listening to this that are going through a colon cancer diagnosis? Um, yeah, just anything you'd like to this add? Is, this is from experience. Um, once you once you do get diagnosed. Um, Stay off of Google and WebMD and <laughs> let let the journey play out. Um, they will have you planning your funeral um, because you know right? nobody's nobody's journey is the same. It's not a textbook um, cookie cutter experience, um, and it, it'll drive you crazy to just read and 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 think and. It's all the worst case scenario. Um, 
So Absolutely. put the computer down, enjoy life, um, keep a positive attitude because, you know, I, I think really um, a positive mental state is as good a treatment as anything. And it, it, yes. it does weigh on your mind. I mean, like I said, I'm over seven years out and there's not a day that doesn't pass by that I think, is it going to return? Um, am I going to have a reoccurrence? Um, and I asked right. one person that has had not particularly colon cancer, but another type of cancer. And I said, is there ever a day that goes by that you don't think about it? And they're like 15 years out or so. And they said, no. So we, I still think about yeah. it. It gets less often. Right. And it doesn't occupy my mind all the time anymore. But, you know, it is, it is yes. um, mentally fatiguing thinking about it. The speakers at the Fight CRC conference told us that the data that, that a person right now needs, the data they need to look at, mm-hmm. is still five years away, three to five years from being published. So the data you're seeing online is pretty much, okay. you know, kind of old. You know, he said, okay. don't don't read all that into it. The, the data you need is is hadn't mm-hmm. been published yet. And there are a lot of good treatments coming out with the with the, with the immune boosters and I I think as a pharmacist yeah. and just my professional opinion um the the future of uh, cancer treatment will not be in these toxic chemicals that we put in our bodies. It'll be the the immune boosters and the targeted right. therapies um that will be actually tailored to that particular patient based upon their genetic makeup and the genet- genetic characteristics of yes. that tumor. Uh, and that's why it's so important. When you get yeah. diagnosed with um with a with a cancer, make sure they do genetic testing on that tumor so they know its characteristics. I've talked to I've talked to a lot of people that they they didn't even know uh if they had been tested genetically or if they did, they didn't know the, the genetic makeup of the tumor. And it's, it's important to know, like if you're um, micro satellite instable and things like that, cause it changes, it changes the treatment course. Like I went to UAB for mine um, and they actually sent sure, it to Utah sure. because they said uh, Utah, uh, I don't yeah. remember which company, but they said they pioneered the genetic testing and they do it better than anyone. But yeah, definitely do genetic testing. And if you ever, yeah, if you ever have a question um, about um, treatment plans and options, surgery, things like that, you know, get a second opinion. Um, it never hurts. This, this is your body, yes. your life. Um, and I, real quick story: mm-hmm. the first time we went to a conference, the Fight CRC conference in Washington, we met a lady, and I I wish I knew, could remember her name, but they called her Granny. Um, she'd been going <laughs> to that conference ever since it had been um, kicked off, and I think she was on her thirteenth year. Does that sound right, Mary? I don't remember. <laughs> so she she had been going a long time, but she was from Arizona, I believe, and she went in for a gallbladder surgery, and they found her liver was um, diseased with cancer, and then they traced it back, and it was came from her colon. And they sent her home on hospice. Okay. They, went, they said, you know, you just need to get your life right and, and basically go home and die. 
And she said, you know, I'm not that type of person. Right, so right. she she got on the um, <laughs> the phone, I guess, at that time. Maybe internet was probably maybe limited. I don't know. But she found a physician at Cleveland yeah. Clinic. And he talked to her. They they did okay. resection her colon just to debulk the tumors and things like that. So um, mm-hmm. she went to Cleveland Clinic and the doctor said, look, I resection livers like this every day. So they, they resection her liver. Um, she had her colon resection. She did okay. the chemo on, on. And she, I think she was 17 years out. Well, guys, I, again, I can't thank y'all enough uh, for everything that you've, you've done to, to work with us um, in, in this, in this journey where we're, we're all, we're, our goal is to assist other people who have been there, um, you know, going through the journey wherever they may be. So I, I just really appreciate your family so much. And oh, you're um, welcome. And, and, and thank you again and for just joining remember, us. remember, it's such a preventable disease. Don't forget to do your, to do your screenings, yes. to get your, your colonoscopy when it's recommended, which the age I believe has now been reduced to 45. And they're hoping yes, to reduce 45. that even farther based on, uh, you know, the statistics. Uh, Talk about the symptoms on stage in a national in like a state pageant then it's not hard to talk about yes. it with your friends and family uh, and back in the yes. day in my glory days um my platform was <laughs> colon cancer awareness with blue which is be screen live a healthy lifestyle understand the facts and engage others and just to live by that and to yes you know talk about it with your family if you uh, feel uncomfortable if there's something that has changed recently um with your bowels and just like just talk about it with your family because i mean dad here didn't really want to go to a doctor because he is a pharmacist but you mm-hmm. know make sure you have a doctor right um talk about it understand what's happening know the symptoms um and yeah that's really about it that's all i have <laughs> so you failed to mention that up front to our listeners so um, not only is Merrill a pharmacist, but his wife, Susan, also is a pharmacist. So when he talks about his story and what had happened and, you know, we're, we're not talking about folks who are uneducated in the medical profession. So for him to say he didn't want to go back, <laughs> Merrill, thankfully your wife, however, right. she, she used her, her, um, her womanly instincts along with right. her yes. uh, medical education. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today for the Semi Colon Club podcast. See you next time.